Welcome back to Boozy Bracketology. My name is Jeff, and I'm not your host today. Uh, I am here to actually provide you with some information about this week's bracket. This is actually a re-release of our first episode in the Romance 80s Movie section. Uh, we are happy to announce that 80s Movie Bracket is back on. We are clear of the strike. We are clear of any sort of uh, restrictions. And we are super stoked to dive back into these movies. So join us as we dive right back in six months later to our 80s movies romance bracket. Welcome back to Boozy Bracketology, home of strong drinks, strong opinions, and crowning champions. I'm Marissa, I'm your host, and tonight we're entering the romance section of the best 80s movie bracket. Let's go ahead and meet our panelists for the evening. Head down the street to Leah. How are you doing and what's in your glass? All right. Well, I'm doing um, okay. I'm very tired. Um, I've already fallen asleep twice today because we record at 9 p.m. and that is past my bedtime. So I um, had to get a Diet Coke. So that is what I am drinking. And I will try and do that just because. Um, and if you need to know what's in it, it's got some sodium. It's got some caffeine. <laughs> that, that bad word that's in Diet Coke that everyone shames, um, whatever that is, it's got that too. But it's more importantly, it's got the caffeine. So I'm hoping to stay awake for the rest of this recording. Very nice. Hey, it's late. We need caffeine. Yeah. We're going to take a little bit of a trip up to Alabama. We've got Nikki. How are you doing? And what's in your glass tonight? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I was potty training all weekend. So I poured Jack in my Coke syrup tonight because <laughs> I needed it. Um, yeah, so it's been it's been a weekend, but I'm excited to be here. <laughs> we are always glad to have you. And Scott, I believe we're just going to go to the Northeast for this, our next panelist. Yes, you are. <laughs> How are you doing tonight and what's in your glass? Uh, great. I'm doing great. Yes, I'm in Connecticut, so that's where I am. Um, and uh, Pepsi Cola hits the spot. Uh, there you go. It's in my Abbott and Costello uh, official who's on first class. Uh, so that's what's in my drink tonight as it's nine o'clock on the Eastern Coast that we're doing this <laughs> right now. So a little caffeine to keep me going. Yeah, it's. I think there's a theme tonight. I think so. <laughs> With the caffeine. <laughs> and I think we just go out west a little bit. And we are joined by Katie. Katie, what? how are you doing and what's in your glass? I'm doing great. I am also exhausted. Um, I'm 25 weeks pregnant right now, so I'm just tired all the time. Um, but I also just saw Taylor Swift on Friday night. That was a lot to recover from. Yes. Um, because it's a long show, isn't it? It's a she does a hell of a yeah. show, right? Yeah, three and a half hours, yes. and it's nonstop. And I did not take a break, so <laughs> it was a long night, but very much worth it. Um, so I'm not drinking anything exciting, um, because I can't have the caffeine or the alcohol, sadly. But I am drinking um blue Gatorade. I think blue is the official flavor name. Um. Just trying to stay hydrated and try to stay awake without the caffeine. Oh, we'll make it through. 
We'll make it through. And now we get to go to the future. <laughs> Natalie is joining us all the way from Australia. How are you this evening or this morning? <laughs> is it yes. morning there? It yeah. is morning here. <laughs> it morning. is. It's, it's just gone 11 a.m. So I, I feel like yeah. I perhaps have a little bit of a, an advantage in terms of having had a full night's sleep not that long ago, as opposed to you guys <laughs> who have all had your whole day and now attacking this on the end. But no, I'm doing, I'm doing very well. Um, I just, as you said, go to the future. I realised I have a Back to the Future mug and I missed the opportunity oh. to use my 80s mug for the 80s recording. But oh, no. just, I could have pretended, couldn't I? Let's pretend I've got my, my pineapple juice. It is 11 o'clock Monday morning and I do have things to do this afternoon. So I also am not having any alcohol. Got a nice pineapple juice. Let's just pretend it's in my Back to the Future mug, which Very would be nice. fitting for our recording today. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, tonight I have, um, amongst all the other things that I've drank tonight, I've got Redemption Rum Cask Finished. It's a rye whiskey. So I was going to say, someone had to do the alcohol. <laughs> this would have been like the only first show ever. No. It was completely alcohol well, Nick, 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 I got my Jack Daniels. Me and Marissa, we're, we're oh, holding okay. the fort. We're holding the fort down tonight for boozy. We'll pop it. And we'll pour it. Pouring a little extra for me. I'm living. Vicariously. A little extra. I will imbibe <laughs> a little bit more for you. Living vicariously. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see if any of these films can sweep our panelists off their feet. Our first matchup of the evening is A Room with a View versus our 16 seed, Mannequin. Leah? Okay, so here's my problem. Um, is what is a better story versus which is more like 80s themed? Because really this is overall an 80s themed bracket. Um, and so my problem with Room with a View is that it's not a film of its time. Like it is, you know, set probably a long, long time ago. Um, definitely not in the 80s. So it's really hard for a Room with a View to like for me to want to vote for it to move on because it doesn't encapsulate what the 80s is really about because it's not set in the 80s um has awesome actors and actresses um it you know obviously has a great story good romance but it's definitely not 80s um so just on that theme alone i think i have to go with mannequin even though it's not great but i i, I really want this to really encapsulate what this bracket's about. So I'm going to go with Mannequin on this one. Mannequin picks up a point and we're going over to Nikki. Yeah, I mean, I agree with what Leah is saying. It's, I would say that if we're going straight 80s, then yeah, Room with a View is not set in the 80s. It was just filmed in the 80s. I mean, it does sort of have a little bit of that vibe um, with some of the costumery, but as far as romance, it's definitely a better romance film than Mannequin. Um, so I'm going to give this one to Room with a View, I think. Um, it's it's overall the better movie. Yes, I, I would agree it's not necessarily quintessential 80s, but it's a better romantic film. We're tied up. Scott? Well, I'm going to preface my entire remarks with that I saw each and every single movie we're going to talk about on their first run in a movie theater. 
<laughs> so I'm an old man. Um, and so, uh, uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, I, I hear what you're saying, but to me, when I think of it and I think of my life, A Room with a View is to me a quintessential 80s film because that's when it came out and there was this time when um, uh, the Merchant Ivory films were being made and that they were bringing back this way of storytelling in a huge way. And it was really the late 80s and middle 80s that that happened. Um, the other thing I'll say about A Room with a View is, um, you know, I, it, it and uh, and it's funny that these movies aren't on here uh, since it's Pride Month. And uh, uh, I, I, I thought I'd also mention there was a, a movie that came out almost in America at exactly the same time as A Room with a View called My Beautiful Laundrette. And both of them starred Daniel Day-Lewis. And in My Beautiful Laundrette, Daniel Day-Lewis played a punk uh, who was, like, gay and that just a whole thing going on. And then in A Room with a View, if you remember, he plays the uptight uh, person, the guy who's uh, going to be engaged to her. And Roger Ebert actually saying, after seeing these two performances, it shows the miracle of acting, that he had no idea that they were the same actor. This was how Daniel Day-Lewis kind of burst into America. So uh, for all those and many reasons... Um, uh, Torch Song Trilogy to me is uh, is right up there. So I'm I'm gonna say Torch Song Trilogy. It's okay. I muted myself. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, a, a room with a view. I'm sorry. Did I, say, I said Torch Song Trilogy like three times. No, a room with a view. Well, that's what I was. I, we, I was gonna mention. You know, there are uh, along with my beautiful Andrette, there are a whole bunch of. Uh, that this was a time when uh, gay romance movies were happening, and Torch Song Trilogy was one of them. Desert Hearts uh, was another. Maurice and another country. So, uh, just in honor of Pride Month, I thought I'd get that out there. But yeah, no, A Room with a View is my pick. Okay, awesome. Room with a View taking the lead. Katie. Okay, I'm gonna go. My fun fact is the exact opposite of Scott in that not one of these films did I see in theaters because they all came out before I was born. So I caught all of these on a rewatch, um, but that's okay. I I have very particular tastes in things I will watch and things I absolutely won't watch or read. Um, and there are like certain subgenres that I just can't stand, um, or that are really hard for me to get into. Like for example. Um, people are really into like fantasy books I can the only fantasy book I've ever read is Harry Potter like I just I will not touch that subgenre um and I I really really hate a period piece romance they are just not for me and I have tried so many different ones and I just get bored and I don't know if it's because I can't handle the ridiculousness of like the stuff the women have to go through that I just find like horror. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I hate period pieces. So for that reason only, um, because I just couldn't get into it, I'm going to go with mannequin. It's a lot more fun and upbeat and just not a period piece. And that's my only reasoning. <laughs> 
Katie, can I can I suggest to maybe one day rewatch Room Review? There's there is actually a scene where there's a bunch of naked guys in a swimming pool. The women do not in any way kowtow to the men; they stand up to them. It's one of those. Uh, it was uh, uh, Ian Forrester wrote it. It was it was it was ahead of its time as far as a book was concerned. And so, but I hear you about period. I, I get that. But um, but I'm telling you, give it a second watch, man. There's Rupert Graves is naked in a pond, man. <laughs> it's not much better than that. <laughs> okay. Okay. And we're tied. And we're going to Natalie. I was just watching that unfold. And as soon as you started talking, Katie, I was thinking, oh, no, it's going to be a tie straight up. And the pressure is on. Goodness. Now, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle. I'm, I'm certainly old enough to have seen some of these movies in the theatre. Um, and I definitely saw lots of them at the very least in the 80s or early 90s. Uh, But I also feel like that was quite a long time ago and felt the need to do a bit of a rewatch of as many as I could. So I've had the best week ever because I have crammed 13 of these movies into my life since Tuesday last week. (laughs) So it's been a ride. Um, It's been a very enjoyable ride. And, And I had that very same sort of experience trying to toss up between these two of going, well, Mannequin is just so 80s. It's a little bit sad that Overboard got outvoted in the play-in game for that one because Overboard is is a favourite of mine. Um, but, yeah, Mannequin is so quintessential 80s. It's that fun, silly, colourful kind of film. Um, the, the outdated portrayal of the gay character was kind of disturbing on the rewatch or very disturbing on the rewatch, but Mannequin really is everything 80s movies have, everything you think of, I think, when you think of an 80s movie. But then A Room with a View is is a quality film. It really is. The actors are amazing. The story is great. And it was, yeah, very hard to think about, well, what are we actually voting for here? Are we voting for the the quality of the movie or are we voting for the 80s-ness of the movie? And And so I guess what I ended up doing was going across and looking at the rest of the bracket. And I think that fun, light, fluffy 80s stuff is pretty well covered. So my vote's going to go to A Room With A View to keep mixing it up a little bit as we move forward. And our first winner of the night is Room With A View. Moving on to the, uh, the Sweet 16. And sorry, I lost track of where I was. <clears throat> our next matchup is the eight seed when Peggy Sue got married versus the nine seed of Sweet Sixteen or the nine seed of Sixteen Candles, Nikki? I don't know. This one was pretty easy for me. I think uh, I I do like when Peggy Sue got married, but I can't get through Nick Cage's voice in it. I it's so annoying and obnoxious. Like the way he talks in it every time he's on, I'm like I just can't even listen. Like. I, and if, you know, I remember my mom was telling me one time when we watched that movie, she thought that that was his real voice and she refused to watch anything with him in it for like years because she thought that was his actual voice. Um, and I just love 16 Candles. It's one of my favorites. Um, I just, it's, it's so funny. It, it, it's really pretty raunchy. You know, you, it's, I think it's PG-13 maybe, or I don't think they had PG-13 did, then, did they? So it was R, I'm not sure, but it was... It, it's a great teen film. I'm going to go with 16 Candles on this one. 16 Candles picks up the first vote. Scott. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I kind of agree. I, 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 Peggy, when Peggy Sue got married is, is a great film. Um, and, uh, 
good performances by different people in it. Wonderful. Um, but I, I agree. I've, I just, uh, I watched 16 candles when it was that we saw it. You had to see every John Hughes movie. It was like, <laughs> it was a must. You had to do that or else you didn't know what to talk about at school the next day. Um, so, um, uh, but Molly Ringwald's terrific in it. She really is. And, and uh, there's just, a, uh, I, I think, uh, uh, it's one of Anthony Michael Hall's best. And I just love the whole storyline that he gets with the, with the, uh, the, uh, the, the popular girl at the end. I think it's kind of an interesting thing. Um, so I, um, uh, yes, there is the, it is come down through the ages as the very, very, very offensive Asian character, which is hard to get through. Um, but then um, it's a major plot point uh, to have that character in there. But um, I'll go with 16 Candles. 16 Candles taking an early lead. Katie. So I feel like I outed myself on the last one of like, I'm very picky about my my genres are like the tropes in the movie and those can easily make me love or hate it and my my issue with when Peggy Sue got married is I don't I'm very particular about like I want my movies to be realistic I don't love a like oh and then they woke up and it was like we jumped back in time or it was a dream or things like that it's just those are really hard for me um to like (laughs) Um, but also, it kind of doesn't matter because Sixteen Candles is such a good classic movie. Um, the first time I made my husband watch it with me, he was like, fine, I'll watch it with you. And then we got done and he was like, okay, that was actually really fantastic. And if he, if he likes it and he'll watch it with me, then I know it's a good movie. Um, no, it did not age well, but it is still absolutely hilarious um, and always good on a rewatch. So I'm also going to be voting for Sixteen Candles. 16 Candles is going to move on, but we still want to hear what Natalie and Leah have to say. Natalie? Uh, Yeah, I won't be arguing with any of the things that have been said already. Uh, I didn't mind Peggy Sue Got Married. I saw it back in the day and then did the rewatch. Didn't mind it, but I didn't love it either. It didn't do anything particularly special for me. Um, It was fun to see Jim Carrey and Helen Hunt pop up in those smaller roles it's always fun to recognize people that you didn't know back then that you know now um so yeah it was fine but didn't do a lot for me 16 candles I thought I'd seen it and I think there were so many Molly Ringwald kind of movies I'd obviously been blending them together in my brain and so we sat down last night for the rewatch got my my girls there 14 and 18 got them involved and sat down and watched it and as it was unfolding I'm thinking man I'm either getting really old because I don't remember any of this or I actually haven't ever seen this one and I loved it just loved it it was just such a pleasant surprise and Anthony Michael Hall I agree with you Scott he was he was a standout in it quite a few laughs and and I think of all the John Hughes films I love the ones where it does just take place over sort of a day or two days and this is one of those and yeah so definitely supportive of 16 candles going through leah um yeah i hate 16 candles i really do it is like my least favorite of uh like the teen john hughesy uh brat pack uh movies for sure like i i went through this whole phase in middle school where I was all in on the Brat Pack, like everything about it. But <laughs> 16 Candles was just the one that I would always skip over because I just hated it so much. Um, Peggy Sue Got Married was always on rotation in my house when I was younger. 
Um, and I think it's really relatable to a lot of Shauna's out there. Shauna's, if you guys watch Yellow Jackets, that's what I'm referring to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I just... I, I just hate 16 candles, but I do think we got it right because it's it's clearly the more um, you you th- like a, a general person off the street would pick 16 candles over Peggy Sue got married because it's just <laughs> more well known. It's classic. There's a lot of different um, plot points that, you know, good or bad that people still remember from it. Um, so, yeah, so I think we got it right, but I don't like it. And, and Leah, to agree with you, uh, you know, it is probably my least favorite of the John Hughes movies, too. I mean, it's not it, I, I picked it here, but there are other John Hughes movies I certainly like better. Yeah, I do really like 16 Candles. 16 Candles is moving on. And our next portion of the bracket, we have When Harry Met Sally versus Some Kind of Wonderful. Scott. Well, I'll uh, tell you which one I'm picking. By uh, a few years ago, <laughs> I was in the audience of uh, the world premiere of uh, Young Frankenstein. It was out in Seattle, the musical. And sitting a few chairs away from me in the audience was a the mother of uh, Carl Reiner. And she has the most one of the most famous lines in all of film. You almost know it. It's I'll have what she's having. So uh, <laughs> uh, it's just an exciting thing that uh, uh, that's in that movie. That scene is just hilarious and holds up as probably one of the most comic scenes of all time. Um, plus, I think this movie really opened a door to a genre that would continue. You had Harry Connick's Jr.'s music in there. You had uh, the two leads kind of bickering with each other, but whether they're going to fall in love or not was almost beside the point in a way. Um, you had great supporting cast. You had all that stuff going on. So, And, and good writing. It's just really a well-written film. Uh, Popper Cash. So um, I'm going to say, uh, and I'm not even going to talk about some kind of wonderful because quite frankly it's i saw it in the uh, 80s and i barely remember it <laughs> so i'm going with when harry met sally or i'll just say torch song trilogy again but no when harry went to <laughs> when harry met sally picks up its first point katie i am really honestly only here for one reason, and that is to talk about When Harry Met Sally. Um, <laughs> when you were, Scott, when you were asking earlier what of the other two, like of the play and which one won um, to go up against When Harry Met Sally, I thought, does it even matter? Um, and it doesn't. <laughs> when Harry Met Sally, 100% is the correct answer here. I am a little bit biased. It is my absolute favorite movie of all time. Um, it is the perfect rom-com. I won't belabor the point because I'm sure I'll be, I hope I'll be talking about it more later, but When Harry Met Sally gets my vote 100%. Early lead for When Harry Met Sally, Natalie. So similarly, I'd seen When Harry Met Sally many times and loved it over the years, and I actually hadn't seen some kind of wonderful. I'm not sure how I missed that one, but hadn't seen it. So I watched it and I actually really enjoyed it. I thought that it was pretty wonderful. And all of a sudden I was thinking, oh, I'm not quite sure where my vote's going to go now. I think, again, John Hughes 
doing well. Mm -hmm. It was the same old story of the unpopular person kind of getting in with the popular person and then everyone learning their lesson about all that stuff. Same old story, but I just felt like it, I don't know, it had a point of difference. It was a bit grittier and and I really enjoyed it, even though I am a little bit over that storyline, it still kind of sucked me in. So yeah, I was thinking, okay, I'm not sure what I'm going to do and realised I was going to need to do a a rewatch of When Harry Met Sally so I could make my decision. So I did that. And within the first few minutes, it all came rushing back. I was like, oh, yeah, no. It, of course, when Harry Met Sally is getting my vote. It's just, it really is an iconic film. And I think I think what I really loved about watching it again was it really stands out that there isn't this big rom-com gimmick. It isn't that she's a maid and he's a senator. I know I'm picking on a few particular movies here as I say this. But right, like there, isn't that, yeah. <laughs> there isn't that sort of gimmick. It really is just about them, the dialogue between them, the way they get to know each other and, and how that unfolds. And, yeah, enjoyed it immensely once again and it's very hard to go past. So when Harry Met Sally's getting my vote as well. When Harry Met Sally, we'll be moving on. But I'm sure Leah and Nikki have thoughts. Leah? Some kind of wonderful is just great, guys. No, I'm just kidding. Um, No, my vote's (laughs) going to go for When Harry Met Sally. I don't think of it as fondly as my fellow panelists do. But in this matchup in particular, like, it doesn't hold a candle to um, When Harry Met Sally. So I'm going to give When Harry Met Sally my vote, and we will find out more things to talk about it later. Will it be a sweep, Nikki? Yeah, I mean, I've I've talked about When Harry Met Sally before. It was the winner of our overall romantic comedy bracket. Um, I guess, I don't know, a couple years ago. When was that? Um, but, I mean, I do think, you know, if you haven't seen Some Kind of Wonderful, watch it. It is, it is like a nice little film. Um, it's a great cast, isn't it, is, it Nikki? It is. It's, it's, it's Eric Stoltz, cast. right? And, uh, yeah. yeah. It's just, it's a, it's a fun film. Um, it is kind of the same old story, but I think it's one of those that isn't as well known, but is actually really good. So I would, just, I would say it's definitely worth, worth a watch. It does feel very eighties. I mean, this, the hairstyles, all of it is, it has that, that style that you're looking for in some of those like eighties rom-coms. So definitely give it a watch, but no, I mean, it's just not going to be when Harry met Sally. So. When Harry met Sally is going to be in our sweet 16. Our last matchup on this half of the bracket is Moonstruck versus Pretty in Pink. And we're leading off with Katie. This is the first one, I feel like, for me, that there was any sort of difficult decision to be made. Like, I actually had to think for more than the two seconds it took me to write down the title of the movie I was picking. Um, I mean, the John Hughes movies kind of have a special place for me just because my mom is so into them. And so she would, oh, you have to see this one. You have to watch this one. This one's so good. Um, And so that kind of makes them extra special to me. Um, At the same time, though, I feel like Moonstruck is a little bit iconic in that, like, it, it feels different than some, I don't know, it just feels a little bit different than some of the other movies on the bracket. I mean, Cher is iconic in it, and I think that carries a lot of it. Um, for me, it's just like, yeah, Cher's wonderful and fantastic in that movie. Obviously, she won Best Actress for it. So, um, that kind of makes it tricky. I mean, Pretty in Pink feels a little bit more like an 80s movie, I guess, to me. But I think part of that's just the, the Brat Pack, like, association. And I really hate that I have to go first on this one, because this is just (laughs) a difficult choice either way. Um... 
Ugh, I really love both of them. I think if we're going for if we're going for eighties, I'm going to say Pretty in Pink, and I'm just going to watch what happens next <laughs> and let you guys make the decision. Pretty in Pink picks up a first point. Natalie. Okay, so Pretty in Pink is one of the ones I did actually see in the theatre. And I remember enjoying it, but it never became a favourite. It never became one that I would gravitate to or if it popped up on TV, I'd stop everything to watch it or anything like that. And and I did rewatch it, got my 14-year-old in that involved in that rewatch and she 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 said it was okay but she was very disappointed she wanted um ducky to be the victor of the romance in the end so she was disappointed along those lines and i guess my main struggle with it is again it's that same old story that we were talking about before the unpopular the popular all that sort of stuff um and i guess for me i don't know that it added much value over and above that storyline. I hadn't actually seen Moonstruck and, until this week. Um, and once I started watching it, I realised I never actually really knew what it was about. I Like you sort of have this sense of these movies, you know, they get the awards and you they become part of pop culture. Um, but I had I actually had no idea what it was about. I quite enjoyed the watching of it um, and agree with what you were saying, Katie, about Sure, being very good. Obviously, she got the award for a reason. I really loved the awkward dinner table scene. I'm not sure what it is about me, but as soon as there's an awkward dinner table scene in a movie, (laughs) I am all over it. I don't want them in my real life, but man, I enjoy them in a movie. So I enjoyed that one. And yeah, I think I think John Hughes is hopefully going to be represented a couple of times elsewhere. And um, for that point of difference, my vote's going to go to Moonstruck. We're tied up, Leah. So I saw Pretty in Pink when I was, you know, middle school, whatever age that was that I actually saw it on VHS probably. Uh, Yeah, definitely VHS. Um, But I, and this is going to make a lot of people hate me, I wanted her to hook up with Blaine. I didn't want her with Ducky. I thought Ducky was the annoying best friend. And I was like, nope, I want her to get the hot popular kid. Um, So I never really bought into the whole um, she should have chosen Ducky at the end kind of situation. Um, But with that said, I have not seen Moonstruck until this week. Um, And so I watched it and I really thought it was it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, Now the romance piece, I wasn't like all in on them as a couple until the very end. And then I'm like, yeah, I definitely want them to to make it work. But the journey getting there, I wasn't all that invested in. I, I was more invested in the overall story and the family dynamics and things like that. Um, so yeah, I think where I'm at right now, I don't really know. I don't know. Cause I'm just thinking about Moonstruck and I feel like it's like my big fat Greek wedding while you were sleeping. It has little bits and pieces of both of those, but it's only, it's darker than that. And I do appreciate a good darker film. So um, yeah, I think I am going to go with Moonstruck because I do think it offers more to this region of the bracket than some of the other films do. Moonstruck's picking up another point. Nikki. Yeah, I I agree with what Leah's saying. You know, and honestly, in both of these films, I didn't I didn't love the romance. Like, I didn't really like the main character in Pretty in Pink, the the main guy in it. Um, and in the, the end, and I think actually they did film it. Or I, I heard something. I don't know if this is a true fact. You'd have to 
to find it somewhere, but they actually did originally, the ending was she was supposed to pick Ducky, and then they had a terrible response in the theaters, and they re-filmed uh, it. I heard that. Whether or not it's true, I don't know. Um, it just seemed kind of forced, like, the ending of, like, all of a sudden, like, he was in love with her. It just felt very forced to me. I didn't like the love story in Pretty in Pink. And then in Moonstruck, I wasn't really rooting for them either because they were kind of a hot mess too. But I think in the end, I just liked the characters better in Moonstruck. Just all the characters were were fun. I was invested in the family dynamics. So I think overall it was the better film. Um, So I'm going to go with Moonstruck. But I didn't think either of them were like super romantic. But Moonstruck will be in our Sweet 16. But we still want to know what Scott has to say. Uh, sure. Well, this, you know, I, I agree with Katie that, uh, you know, you wouldn't think, but I, I, I when I looked at this, I, I was like, hmm, these are two interesting films to me. So when I was, uh, and I saw them in, in different ways. So when I first saw Pretty in Pink, <clears throat> you have to realize I was kind of this nerdy kid and I, I, I really identified with Ducky. I really thought this outsider who, you know, just didn't fit in anywhere, you know, that kind of a thing. And I really appreciated that character being in a movie. Um, and so that was kind of an interesting thing to me. And and Nikki, you, you are right. The original script is that she ends up with Ducky and that is what Hughes intended to film. And, and they did not do that because they thought it was better this way. Um, and uh, so that that was, you know, it, it it still holds up as a movie to me that you would want to watch again, Pretty in Pink. It's, it's, it's quite going to Great, great soundtrack and uh, from those that all that 80s music that all being said um moonstruck is the uh, one of the reasons why we might feel that it's so good it's it's was written by john patrick shanley who is also a playwright um and that's why it feels almost like a play the entire um it's actually a breakfast scene if you remember they're having oatmeal um uh, uh, that whole scene was uh, everybody the crew was sent away and norman jewison the director directed the scene as if it were a play and they did it over and over again so that the, everyone would feel each other's rhythm so that when they shot it, it would feel like it was really happening. And it does. That, that, that Talk about awkward and talk about everything happening. Um, the other thing I, I tend to agree about that I wasn't always on board with the romance, but you know the romance that really strikes me the most in this is Olympia Dukakis and Vincent Gardenia at the end. When he slams the table and, and she asks him not to see the mistress anymore. And... Uh, for someone who grew up in a in a family that their parents didn't really talk too much about a lot of things, that's sometimes how things got settled <laughs> in a romance, you know. So uh, that's just quality writing, not to go the obvious way to do, to do it, you know, in a different way. Um, so I I just think Moonstruck is brilliant and it's really holds the testament of time. Um, I just saw it again; it was on like HBO or something, and I watched it from beginning to end without meaning to, um, just because it's so good. So Moonstruck. Moonstruck is moving on, but Pretty in Pink did not go quietly. Our next portion of the bracket. We have the two seed of Say Anything against the 15 seed Footloose. Natalie. I'm really sad about this one because 
I just want them to both. How do, how do you choose between John Cusack and Kevin Bacon? Yeah. Come on, come on. <laughs> Absolutely. This is, this is a, this is a, a terrible <laughs> choice you're making us do. And, and so, again, I'm, I was in most of these, I seem to be in this situation where I'd seen one of the movies a long time ago or, or more recently. Footloose is one that is sort of on a bit of rotation in our house and hadn't seen the other one. So I sat down to watch Say Anything. And again, I really enjoyed it. It was, I think, well, John Cusack, he's just wonderful. And, and he was wonderful in that. And the story was a little bit unusual. The whole bit with her dad and everything was a little bit left field. But I, I really felt the romance. I felt like it made sense that they were together and, and it felt genuine. Just kind of felt like that stuff could have actually happened. Um, I enjoyed the, the boombox scene because, you know, having not seen the movie, always, of course, being aware of the boombox scene. So I was waiting for that. Then I was a little bit disappointed that nothing really came of that scene. He did that, but she didn't actually respond. Nothing sort of happened next, which was a little <laughs> bit surprising for me. So so coming off Say Anything, I was really in, in the beautiful bubble of that, thinking, oh, but what about Footloose? <laughs> And then you only have to see one clip from Footloose and you're just like, oh, no, of course. It's just it's just magical. I'm, I'm all in for a, a big group dance scene and that scene at the end does not disappoint at all. And, yeah, Kevin Bacon is is pretty spectacular in that, I think. And, and it's really stood the test of time as well. There's musicals and remakes and although don't watch the remake. Um, there's all sorts of things that have come from Footloose. I think it is very iconic. So I think that is the way my vote has to go. But with a big honourable mention to say anything. Footloose is getting Natalie's vote. Leah. Guys, this is really, really hard. I was like, I don't know. I was going back and forth, back and forth on this choice for like a whole week now. Like I, I still don't know who I'm actually gonna vote for. So I'm gonna talk it out a little bit. So in your eyes, it's still a slow jam that I am here for. If it comes on in the car, I am belting along with it. Um, it's just, you know, and it doesn't get more 80s than a boombox. I mean, come on. Um, so those were kind of like, those are really my only talking points for saying anything, except John Cusack. I think when he's like teaching her how to drive or something like that scene is just like, so cute and just i don't know i the rest of the movie the plot lines with the dad and everything are just like so stupid but um like the boombox the driving scene that song fantastic now in the words of the light funky ones i love kevin bacon but i hate footloose um i have never been a huge footloose fan as an overall movie yes the dancing in it is incredible the music is incredible Kevin Bacon is incredible, but the whole storyline um, that goes through the movie is not one that I've ever been invested in. So both of these movies for me have have strikes against it in regards to their overall storyline. They both have really, really good scenes and really good parts of it, but overall as a movie, there's not one that jumps out to me as like, this is so perfect. Um... And I'm just really into Kevin Bacon right now, guys. I'm just like obsessed with 2023 Kevin Bacon. Um, Who looks just like he did in Footloose. <laughs> what is that about? Yeah, he releases his own music video kind of things on Instagram every week. And I'm just, I'm all for it. This week it was him and his wife singing The Little mm -hmm. Mermaid Surrounded by Goats. 
And I was there for it. I was like, I am all in on Kevin Bacon. Um, So it's hard for me. I'm not all in on John Cusack in 2023. What's he doing? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think I'm blinded by my love for Kevin Bacon right now. So I'm going to go Footloose. Kevin Bacon getting Leah's vote (laughs) in all of 2023. Yep. Nikki. Yeah, I'm with everyone. This was a tough one for me as well. Um, I love Footloose. It's one of my all time favorites. It's just so fun. Um, I love the dancing. I love the music. I love Kevin Bacon. It's just enjoyable. It's just one of those movies that just makes you smile. It's a great film. And then uh, Say Anything. Also, I love it. Uh, John Cusack in that movie really is. I mean, I think everyone had a little crush on him in that movie. He was just so sweet. Um, And it was very, very 80s to me. Just just the all of it, the vibe of the friends and everything, you know, being in the store, the CD stores and uh, all that. Um, so I was thinking about both. And then I, you know, I, I think I love Footloose. But then my problem with Footloose is I think it is not necessarily a romance. I mean, there is a romance in it. But it is not a romantic film. Like, it's more everything else. It's very 80s. It's very fun. But the romance is just kind of there. It's thrown in. Um, So I think I'm going to give my vote to say anything. I think it's more of the romantic film. And this is the romance bracket. So even though Footloose is kind of that iconic 80s film, I do think say anything is the better romance. So I'm going to give my vote to say anything. Say Anything picks up its first vote. Scott. Well, um, you know, I, again, I agree with everyone. These, this was a difficult choice. Um, uh, you know, let us not forget, Say Anything was the first film directed by Cameron Crowe. Um, I always like to kind of highlight the creatives behind it because, you know, that, that may be why we think something is so good. You know, uh, he, he, he wrote it and directed this. He had written Fast Times at Ridgemont High, but this is the first movie he directed. Um, um, and so there, there's a quality to it. And, you know, the writing is, is better than probably other rom-coms of the time. Um, and yeah, John Cusick, man. I mean, he's just, he's, he's a great actor. Um, that being said, yeah, I, I, I hear you. You know, Kevin Bacon, man, uh, he's just, he's just, first of all, he's just so interesting as a person. I mean, you know, with Kara Sedgwick, his wife, and his uh, the Bacon Brothers band that he has with his brother and everything, it's just kind of interesting. The other thing is, I think he was able to, um, you know, as a gay guy, uh, I have to say, he was, I, I so admire him that he was on Will and Grace and could make fun of his character from Footloose. I don't know if you remember the episode that he was on, but he, he apparently had a clapper in his living room and it would, it would play Footloose and he would just dance the Footloose dance at Will. Uh, and that just, that of course he does. Like, of course Kevin Bacon has that in his apartment. Uh, you know, so just a wonderful meta joke about him uh, that what gay people think that he must be doing in his living room all the time um, is just silly. Um, and that he, you know, is so game for all that kind of stuff and, and funny. Um, and also he started on my soap opera. I watched him when I was a kid. He was on Guiding Light. There was Kevin Bacon on Guiding Light. Um, so, um, you know, boy, it's a tough choice, but... Um, I'm going to have to get up on the back of the bleachers and learn how to dance to Footloose. Footloose picks up its third vote, but we still need to hear what Katie has to say. Katie? I'm so relieved that I didn't have to make that decision because that would have been a lot of pressure. Um, Yeah, I mean, both of these are 
this both of these are great kind of iconic in different ways um 80s movies i i agree natalie with your kind of like when you think of say anything you think of him holding up the boombox like that is what comes to mind and so for me like before i before i even had seen the movie i knew of that scene and it kind of did feel a little bit like a letdown it's like oh i'm waiting for this really like romantic gesture and it was like oh okay like it happened it didn't really have like the payoff for me um for footloose i mean I am a sucker for a musical. I love a musical. So that, I think, and, and the music in Footloose is so good. Um, and so I think that maybe sways me a little bit. I also love a group dance scene. They're great. Um, and it's just, I don't know, a little more fun, a little more lighthearted, which is what I enjoy in my romance movies. Um, so I think, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to come down on the side of Footloose as well in this one. Footless is moving on. Our next matchup on this portion of the bracket is Mystic Pizza versus Roxanne. Leah. All right, I have a feeling I'm going to be in the minority again here, but I love Mystic Pizza. I just think it's so cute and charming. Um, I do feel a little bit of a connection to it because uh, Chris's family lives about 20 minutes outside of Mystic, Connecticut, and so on our first vacation up to visit them when we were dating, like, 2010-ish, um, he took me to Mystic Pizza, and we ate there and had a nice romantic day there, so that was really cute. Um, but I just think that the movie offers some extra creative elements that are non-traditional. Um, so if I'm wanting a feel-good movie that passes the Bechtel test while still having unique subplots... Um, dealing with romance in different areas, um, I'm going to go with the Mystic Pizza on this one. Mystic Pizza gets Leah's vote. Nikki? I, I feel kind of bad because I didn't get to re-watch Mystic Pizza. I've seen it, but it's been a while, and I was having trouble remembering all the details. I mean, I remember, you know, it was all the girls in the pizza shop and Julia Roberts. Um I remember really enjoying it, but I just didn't remember all of the major plot points. I've seen Roxanne like a million times. I love that movie. So um, it's just one of my favorites. I mean, it's the cute little Cyrano de Bergerac. It's so silly. Like the movie is completely silly. Um, But I don't know. I'm just for anything with Steve Martin. He just cracks me up no matter what. Um, I love the whole Cyrano thing with the romance and that. so I'm going to give it to Roxanne, but I, I do feel bad. I didn't, I, I want to hear more about Mystic Pizza. I need to rewatch it. So <laughs> we're tied Scott. Well, you know, I, I, you th- I'm from Connecticut. So I, of course I have to represent Mystic Pizza, man. Um, but, uh, but I have to say, I, I agree with Nikki. Roxanne is a film I've watched over and over again over the years. I, I remember walking out of the movie theater and wanting to see it immediately right again. And I think we did actually, I think we walked out and then walked into another adjacent theater and just watched the movie again. Um, because it was so, Nikki, wouldn't you agree? It's so uplifting. It's, it's, there's, there's a, um, you know, because I think Martin is an underrated actor in that sense, uh, kind of the way Robin Williams was in a way that when he does pathos, he does it very well. You really felt really like sad that, you know, he had to go through all this to, to get the girl. Plus the scene where he cites all the nose jokes in a row uh, in, in the bar because someone thinks he can top him with a nose joke. That is just, that just 
classic. I mean, that is just really a scene that will live on forever and, and shows uh, Steve Martin's amazing ability. That being said, Mystic Pizza, I agree. It's a wonderful film. And and if anybody hasn't seen it, they really should go out and, and see it. <laughs> go out and see it. Like, a, like you can go to the movie theater and see it. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Stream it, whatever you need to do. Whatever modern things these kids today do to see movies. Um, you know, because uh, as uh, I think it was Ebert or someone said that they felt like, while the movie may not have been the best movie in the world, they felt like they were watching all these future stars burgeon right there in front of them on the screen, uh, you know, with, with, with Je- Julia Roberts and Anna Beth Gish and Lily Taylor. And it's Matt Damon's first movie. I think he plays her brother or something, and he's like at a dinner table scene. Um, and so you have all these, uh, all this aligning together in one movie. So, um, and I've been to Mystic Pizza too, absolutely. It's it's a place to be, and it's a great movie. Um, but boy, that's a tough choice. Um, I have to say, I literally, I, I, I can't get over the feeling of how I first felt when I saw Roxanne low those many years ago and literally going back in and watching it a second time. So I'm going to go with Roxanne. Roxanne gets its second vote. Katie. Okay. This one feels a little unfair um, because <laughs> I agree with you, Scott. I, I think Steve Martin is underrated. Like I, I love Steve Martin, everything he's in, even now the things he's in, I, I'm very into um, Only Murders in the Building. Isn't it fantastic? The best thing in the world. It's just great. Like, he is just wonderful. I love him. But I, on the flip side, and this is a really unpopular opinion, I think, I do not like Julia Roberts. And so that makes Mystic Pizza really hard for me. Um, But I also know that's not what the point is. That's not what this is about. But those just, instinctually, those are my first two reactions when I think about those movies is I love him and I really don't like her. Um, and I don't know why I'm sure she's lovely. Um, but I really, really do love, um, I'm an, I'm a, an English teacher and I love when we get like modern day adaptations of classic stories. Um, like 10 things I hate about you is one of my favorite movies. Ever. Sure. Like I, I love when we take like a very old classic story and give it a modern retelling. I think it's fun. Um, I think it just shows how like accessible those pieces of literature still are and still can be. And I really love that. And so I love the Cyrano story as well in Roxanne. And so I think that is what's going to push it over the edge for me. And I'm going to vote for Roxanne for this one. Roxanne, moving on to the Sweet 16. Natalie? Oh, that was a roller coaster ride, Katie, because I was thinking, oh, good, I'm not going to have to decide. Oh, no, I am going to have to decide. No, no, I'm not going to have to decide. I, wasn't, <laughs> I had no idea for the last second which way you were going to go there. Scott's from Connecticut. He's got to pick Mystic Pizza. What's happening? <laughs> you have let me off the hook and I don't have to decide, um, which I think is good because they're such different movies. This was one of the ones I found really, really hard. Supporting what you guys have said, I think that like Steve Martin is just so great. There were lots of good laughs in Roxanne. Again, it's that kind of quintessential eighties light, fluffy, silly kind of kind of movie. And and I do come from a long line of firefighters myself, my grandfather, father, and brother, um, all and some still are firefighters. And so I, I definitely enjoyed the. Um, the firefighter part. Hopefully they're a little bit more competent than most of CD's guys, but um, I I did enjoy it. And 
again, that was one I'd seen before, did a rewatch. Mystic Pizza was new to me this time around. It, it was It's one of those ones you think, I must see that movie, I must see that movie. Never have until this week. And, and it didn't disappoint. I think it was just that little bit different. It was um, a really nice mix, I thought, of like these heartfelt moments, these funny moments, these tragic kind of moments. And it, it definitely stuck with me. You know when you finish watching a movie and then you find yourself thinking about it a few hours later or a few days later. I had that experience with Mystic Pizza. So I'm not sure what I would have done had I been the deciding vote. Um, but given I don't have to be the deciding vote, I'm going to throw my vote to Mystic Pizza because I think this one really does deserve to be a, a very close race. Hey, trivia lovers. Want to get the pub trivia experience in an interactive way? Check out Liquid Courage Entertainment. With a wide range of offerings online, LK has you covered, streaming a wide variety of trivia games on Twitch with one-of-a-kind formats like Tringo, Guestimate, Mega Sheep, and more. Or check out the World Trivia Federation. With 36 hours to answer each quiz and no obligation, the WTF is the perfect solution to scratch that trivia itch on your own time. Come see us at twitch.tv slash liquid underscore courage or check out patreon.com slash liquid courage to join the WTF for as little as $2 a month. That's liquid courage with a K. Innovative, interactive, intoxicating. It was a close one, but Roxanne is going to move on to our Sweet 16. And we're on to our last portion of this 32 seed of best romance movies from the 80s. We have broadcast news versus Dirty Dancing. Nikki. Yeah, I was I was kind of surprised Dirty Dancing was a play-in movie. I thought that would have been already in the bracket, so I'm glad it's here. Um, broadcast news. I remember when I was creating the romance romantic comedy bracket that we did a couple years ago, and I had never seen broadcast news, but it was like ranked as the highest. Every list I was looking at, it was always ranked super high, super high, so... I put it on the bracket. I watched the movie. I don't know. I still don't get it. I'm not. I'm just not into it. I don't know what it is. I mean, the acting was great. It was funny. Um, but the romance piece, it was just all over the place. I didn't buy into any of the romance. I don't I don't understand why it was so like I, compared to some other romantic comedies. I didn't find it to be overly like this romantic, great movie. I mean, it was funny. It was well written. Um but I love Dirty Dancing. I mean, Dirty Dancing to me, it's it, it is an '80s movie that is set in the '50s. So yes, it is not set in the '80s, but I still feel like it has an '80s vibe to it. Um, you you know, even though the just just the way it's presented, the dancing and everything like that. So I'm gonna give this one to to Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing picks up its first vote. Scott. Uh, you know, it's funny, you can kind of compare Dirty Dancing a little bit to Mystic Pizza. These were two relatively independent uh, romantic comedies that were done in the late 80s, and they kind of opened the door for other films like that, where that it didn't have to be a big Hollywood budget movie. Ju nobody knew who Julia Roberts was when they did Mystic Pizza. I mean, these were relatively unknown people. And certainly Patrick Swayze was not a household name, and Jennifer Grey, they, they, you know, they, it, was, it was done by uh, uh, smaller companies. They were still Hollywood films, but they were done in, a, in not gigantic budgets. And so that's kind of a neat thing that you have something that we're going to still talk about all these years later with great fondness 
people do love dirty dancing and certainly that lift at the end is something that we all try to accomplish at everybody's wedding and people have gone to hospitals and all that's very exciting <laughs> um but don't do it <laughs> they didn't really do it in the movie you're not going to do it at the wedding so um yeah so it's it's it is it's a it's a it's an interesting movie you know um, i'm not going to put baby in the corner that's not going to be me um but you know broadcast news uh is i, I don't know it's, it's amazingly well written it's james l brooks who brought us the mary tyler moore show for those of us who are of a certain age like me who remember actually watching that um as well as taxi and other things like that so there's a humor there that is probably not of the it's it's a different kind of humor almost than any other movie that we've talked about and so um, it's almost a sarcastic, um, I don't, I'm, I'm never going to love you, so get away from me while I do my job kind of a thing. <laughs> and you either relate to that or you don't relate to that, you know. So, uh, but it certainly it was nominated for seven Academy Awards, uh, Broadcast News. If, you know, I don't think it won any, but um, although maybe did her win? I forget. Um, but um, so it's, it's, you know, certainly got its own thing. But um, if I wanted to sit right down now and watch one of the two of them, I think I would plug in Dirty Dancing. And I think that's the movie I'm going to pick today. Dirty Dancing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Dirty Dancing takes the lead. Katie. Okay. Um, gosh, I feel like I'm... I'm ending ending this on like an easy note. This one wasn't difficult for me. I mean, when I think when you think of best romance movies, Dirty Dancing is on everybody's list, even if it's not at the top. It's somewhere on there. It's so iconic. Um, it's such a beautiful story. Another one that passes the Bechdel test, if that's what you're looking for. Um, yes. And also, I think has some really, um, just some really interesting characters that I, we don't always necessarily see in a rom-com it's just it I don't know I, I like it's one of those movies where I'm just as invested in the other characters as I am in the main characters I care about what's happening to everybody else um and I know they're all very much side characters but but I still like them I still care about them as characters and I mean it doesn't get more iconic than Patrick Swayze lifting her in the air at the end of the movie. And it doesn't matter if it's fake. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. They, they did do it. <laughs> so, um, so iconic that they recreated it in crazy, stupid love, which was one of my favorite, like modern rom-coms. And they pulled it off really well in that movie. I thought too. Um, but yeah, I mean, dirty dancing is just an iconic romance. I don't feel like there's a lot more to say about it. So Dirty Dancing gets my vote. Dirty Dancing is going to be moving on. We still want to hear what Natalie and Leah have to say. Natalie? So I hadn't seen Broadcast News, watched that. That was actually the first one that I undertook at the beginning of my week of 80s movie watching. And um, I enjoyed the process of watching it. I love seeing Jack Nicholson pop up. That was a nice surprise. And and I loved um, Joan Cusack's run to when she was trying to get the tape to the... Um, oh, it's... Wherever it I, needed to go. Her that run. scene alone could almost have saved the whole movie. I agree. That's yeah, it was so good. Jo Joan Cusack is just as marvelous as her brother. She really is. Definitely, definitely, and popped up in I think 
three, three of the movies on this bracket, which was nice to see. There was actually quite a lot of crossover. There were all sorts of people popping up. I was like, oh, they're in the movie I watched yesterday. And it was that was a fun little thing to track. But anyway, back to, to what we're talking about. So, yeah, so I enjoyed parts of it. I enjoyed the process of watching it. But ultimately, I did not like any of the three main characters. I just didn't engage with any of them. They were annoying me. The um, Aaron, so not the William Hurt one, I the actor's name's escaping Albert me, which Brooke, I Albert apologize Brooke. for. Albert Brooks. Albert Thank Brooke. you. Um, I thought for a while, yep, he's the one that you like, but then he would do things that were really upsetting and annoying as well. So, so yeah, ultimately I didn't really like any of them, which certainly put a dampener on my enjoyment of the film. And then we've got Dirty Dancing. <laughs> I saw Dirty Dancing in the theatre. I loved it then. I've seen it many, many times since. I've loved it every time. And I know the ages are problematic, but if you can sort of put that aside, it's actually not really their relationship isn't really the thing that I love about it, I don't think, which is a maybe a problem given this is the romance category. But for me, it's the music, it's the dancing and, well, let's face it, it's Patrick Swayze. Um, but, yeah, the whole thing is just, I just think it's wonderful from beginning to end. So definitely getting my vote. Will it be a sweep, Leah? Yes, it will. I'm going to vote with the people and I'm going to vote for Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing is moving on. Our last matchup is Splash versus an officer and a gentleman. Scott. Well, it's been a long night. I'm going to make this quick. Uh, uh, I'm a big Tom Hanks fan, so I, and I just think he's marvelous in this. And also, we just uh, when we were talking about Roxanne, we talked about Steve Martin. We really didn't talk about Daryl Hannah, who was, was wonderful in that film. And this is where she became that we all knew who Daryl Hannah was, um, and it, it became iconic in that sense. It really made stars out of them. Both Big also made a star out of Tom Hanks, but this really helped him be a big star. I think this came before Big, if I'm not mistaken. And um, uh, it's just it's funny. It holds up. It's it's a mermaid. I mean, for the love of goodness. Um, and for me, an officer and a gentleman. When I I saw it recently, and I felt like it was more of a drama. I I, I feel more of his uh, pain when he when uh, Louis Gossett Jr., who won the Academy Award, asks him, "Why are you doing this?" And he goes, "I got nowhere to go." That as he's crying in the rain, and to me, that's that's the heart of the movie. To, to not so much the romance. I mean, you know, he picks her up at the end, but that's like the last two minutes over the credits of the movie. So it's not the same thing for me. Whereas Splash really is this iconic 80s, uh, as we were talking about earlier, Katie's right in the money. Sometimes you just got to go with what's the iconic 80s thing. And for me, it's Splash. Splash picks up a vote. Katie. This is like a, one of them is clearly a better film. Right. But do I care? <laughs> um, and I, I don't know. I feel like sometimes I get drawn in other, this is all very like incoherent. It's been a long day. I feel like I get pulled by like facets of the plot. So like I having it be like, a, they're based in like this naval base. I'm like that, that's not as interesting to me. If I'm going to watch a movie about, you know, Navy, Army stuff with some romance in there. I'm going to watch Top Gun. I'm not going to watch An Officer and a Gentleman. Like, I, I, I'm I, very particular about what I'll put up with in terms of, like, oh, this is this kind of movie with some romance sprinkled in, if that makes sense. Um, it has to be really good for me to like it if the romance is kind of, like, the B-plot or the additional plot. 
Um, and an officer and a gentleman just doesn't do it for me. Um, it's more romantic to me when they reference it in Friends and Ross picks up Rachel and carries her out. That's great. That really makes me feel the butterfly feeling. But in this one, it just, I don't know. I, it just doesn't do it for me. I'm also a huge Tom Hanks fan. And so Splash, obviously not as high quality of a film, but I don't really think that matters. I think it's a little bit more fun and lighthearted and I care a little bit more about the romance in it. So I'm going to go with Splash. Splash picks up another vote. Natalie. Okay, this just got a whole lot harder than it was earlier today when I was making my final decisions. Um, I hadn't seen Officer and a Gentleman and it's interesting because I, I did enjoy it. Absolutely, it's definitely drama. It's not romantic comedy by any stretch. And I didn't, until you were just talking about it, Scott, I didn't sort of think about the fact that the romance part is actually really not the integral part of the movie. But it's interesting because I think that's the part that has sort of stood the test of time, having not seen the movie. When I think about an officer and a gentleman, I just think about, well, it's this it's this big romance between this guy in the Navy and that girl. You, you know that iconic shot at the end. So somehow, somewhere along the way, that's what I think society has picked up is the romance part of it. But, Scott, you're exactly right. When you watch it, that is a little bit of a sidebar. It's it's about his, well, his terrible life that he's had and and the training and I think, yeah, Lugos Jr., his role is fantastic. And so, yeah, my brain's just um, having a little problem because I thought I knew which way I was going. But we are in the romance category and and I think you make a really good point there. Um I find Splash a little bit of a hard watch. I also love Tom Hanks. I'm not the hugest Daryl Hannah fan, I must admit. Um, similar to you, Katie, with Julie Roberts. I'm sure she's a lovely person and, you know, it's just she, she may not like me either if we actually met in person, <laughs> so it's all good. Um, and I find that Splash does get better as it goes along. I find that first half is a little bit too something. She learns English just a little bit too easily for me, all that sort of stuff. It's a little bit hard for me to get on board with, but as it goes along, it does improve. And I did love seeing Eugene Levy in that role. Um, obviously, when I saw Splash back in the 80s, I didn't know who he was. But now to see that that same style, that same kind of pressured acting style that he has, but channeled into an angry way in the beginning rather than the sort of straight comedy way was was really enjoyable. So... So I did enjoy that. So yeah, I, I thought I, I thought I knew I was going with Officer and a Gentleman, but there's been some good points made. Oh goodness, no! Let's keep it interesting. I'll go Officer and a Gentleman, and that'll force some others to think longer and harder about this one as well. Officer, an Officer and a Gentleman picking up its first vote. We're two to one, and we're on to Leah. Yes, yeah, so I was home with um, our three-year-old the other day, and I actually watched both of these back-to-back um, with a little break in between because I was trying to catch up on, on watching as many that were still streaming um, of these films as possible before this bracket. So I watched Splash in the morning, um, and then we took a little lunch break and then watched Officer and Gentleman. And after Splash, I was like, this is really cute. It's, like, stupid charming. Like, I mean, it's, it's 
completely ridiculous. And I went into it thinking I wasn't going to like it at all. And then I actually found myself kind of thinking it was cute. The ending is so stupid, though. Like, I have no idea even how... I don't understand. I don't... It was just weird, really weird. But I, I, I liked seeing the cute 80s cheese ball fest. It was really nice. Um, and then while my three-year-old slept, thankfully, I watched Officer and a Gentleman because I did not want her to be awake watching this movie with me because it's got the abuse, manipulation, suicide, like a very graphic sex scene that I was not prepared for. And I was like, what? Please don't wake up. Please don't wake up um, to my child as I watched it. Um, and like I said earlier, I do appreciate the dark films. Um, I have like a little dark path in my in my soul, I think. Um, and so I do enjoy, you know, some of the darker storylines. But I don't know, Officer and Gentleman, I left thinking more about the plot um, after the movie was over than I did um, with Splash. But Splash is the one that's rewatchable. I don't think I need to go back and watch Officer and Gentleman in the next 20 years. Um, so I think I'm going to go a splash for that one. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I think, be the vote to move it along because I do think it's the rewatchable one. And I think when, when these movies have come out, you know, 30, 40 years ago, you want a movie to move on that you can easily rewatch. And splash is going to be moving on to our sweet 16. But Nikki, we still want to know what your opinion is. I mean, I don't have much more to say. I, I don't, I didn't know exactly which way I was going to vote either. Um, I'm kind of torn in that. Yes. Which one is the better film, which is, and then which one's just more of the kind of classic eighties. Um, I do like officer and a gentleman. It is dark. Um, I do think the romance in it, it's, it's a different, I mean, it's there. It's different. I mean, it's more like love is a growth kind of thing. I mean, they're the two people kind of, you know, they're they're discovering each other. I mean, it, it's there. It's just different. I mean, Splash is, is much more like cheesy romance. Um, but I, I, I think I would have gone for Officer and a Gentleman, but I'm glad Splash is in it. And given an officer and a gentleman isn't moving on, can I also just take this opportunity to say Richard Gere's hair at the beginning was just spectacular and (laughs) giving that off was a crime. Yes. Yes. I mean, I will say officer and a a gentleman is worth the watch just for Richard Gere alone. So it's fine. (laughs) And Louis Gossett. Yes, that's right. Oh, Richard Gere. All righty. Splash is moving on. And we have... Our Elite Eight, because I've been saying this wrong the whole entire time, because we're already in the Sweet yeah. Sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how my day has gone. <laughs> it's been a busy day, y'all. Um, our Elite Eight is a room with a view versus 16 candles. When Harry met Sally versus Moonstruck. Footloose taking on Roxanne. And Dirty Dancing versus Splash. Solid. I think we did a great job. Thank you for joining us for our Sweet 16 in the best 80s romance movies section of our best 80s movie bracket. If you like what we're doing and you want to support us, join us over on patreon.com slash PTEBB. You can also go over to PTEBB.com and find all of our socials. Join us in the lounge on Facebook or over in the Discord. Um, 
we have a rousing good time in the Discord. Lots going on over there. Um, thank you again. Have a great night. I've been your host. I'm Marissa. I've been Leah. Nikki. I'm Scott. I'm Katie. And I'm Natalie. Bye.